there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza. And I have a rowdy, rowdy group with me here. <laughs> Back in the studio. I, I had to mute Ooh. everyone just so I could get that intro so, in. Someone's got rowdy trousers. Oh my. Yes. Oh. I think it was the pecan tart from earlier. And we, oh, there was pecan we, tart. We are and back, baby. We yep. are back. <laughs> I mean, knock is close enough to me that I can just fondle his ear. Ah, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> HR, HR will hear about this. That is assault, brother. Oh, boy, it Consent. feels good. And not only are we back in the studio together, we've figured out using crazy technology how to also include the Zoom and Bagel from afar, and hopefully future yeah. guests can now call in. So we've got Yay. crazy stuff going on, but let's get to who is here in the studio. Hey, everyone. I am Liza, and I am in charge. You're large and yep. in charge. Ezra. That's right. That's right. Large Marge. That's right. Large Uncle Marge. Got me all self-conscious, man. <laughs> like I didn't realize I have no good angles. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 360, just 360 of bad. I don't know if you guys know, whenever I do the intro, I have nothing planned, and I start saying, and I am, and I, whatever is the first thing that pops mm. into my head. Mm. So that's why you never. I wow. never know what I'm going to get. Yeah, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> Should have a hat with Let's see. Joining us for the first time in a long time, exotic number two. Oh, Is that Dude. my number? Number two? No, you're oh, actually like, number three. Number no, it's actually number three. three. It's Jeremy. Hello. Aloha. I'm back from a long hiatus. Is it I Dr. Know. Jeremy or is it uh, Masters of... Bachelor of Science. Oh, it's, it's, it's Master of Beta, Jeremy. Yeah, that too. I am sweaty over here. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to want to take that jacket off. Mm. Um, and then exotic number two. But he's always number one in my book. <laughs> also joining us, it's been a long time, it's Henry. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, and, and the thing is... A lot of people haven't been on the recording, but they've been around and coming to the garage. So we're still like just having a lot of fun with each other. Um, and then exotic number one. What's up, dickheads? It's not. <laughs> How you guys doing? How's everybody doing today? He's the so, edgy one. Can, can I, I am make... not the edgy one. I'm the least edgy one here, actually. Can I make a, make a comment that from my perspective, the south end of the studio is quite exotic heavy at the moment. It is. It? It is. They're kind of, yes. We're actually a boy band from Korea. Caitlin, do you know why they're referred to as I didn't do my hair up today, but... Do you know why they're, why they're referred to as the exotics? I, please explain. Well, if you want to play Guess That Asian... That's right. This is why. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Oh, it's full of, yes, we all, we all thought we had moved past this in our world, but no, apparently not. No, no we have our beautiful exotics. Not so easy to call. Caitlin, go ahead. Take your guess. It's called being raped away. <laughs> bachelor number one. Yes, that Asian. <laughs> really? You don't even want to play a little? Come on, Caitlin. You won't get in trouble. <laughs> don't. I okay, hold on. It's, like, hey, let's get warm me up. I, I, I will. Hold on. I'll it's give for, you a clue. It's even they're half, so they, they're harder. But this one is 100%. So if you want to guess that Asian, go for it. God almighty. Don't, this is a fun game. Don't go there, Caitlin. One. I'll give you a clue. They don't have restaurants. Do you still want to have a job? <laughs> oh, God. 
I mean, we haven't even got Can I leave to know now? each other. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on to yeah. casual racism, please. Ask <laughs> the casual racism. Yeah, Liza, I like how yes, you put please. all the Asian people in one corner. I know. Well, it's I'm, apartheid. It's, it's like fucking men's I, over I'm here. not going to say what kind of fever I got, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. Uh, this uh, is why Nock, I keep coming back. Nock just got moist. <laughs> it's just like uh, Joining us, Stockholm Syndrome, on the classy girl (laughs) couch, it's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. I'm so happy to be back in the studio. Who, when you think about it, you're probably the most exotic of all. Because you actually came from another land. I did. Yeah. I came from far away. Narnia. Far away from Bernania. Thardia. Bernania. Soil. Yes. I came from the land of soil. Um, oh, my God. But no, I am, I am actually a uh, fairly recent import from 1994. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought you were since like the 70s, yo. I didn't I'm realize. not that old. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know, apparently. No, I... No, knock. I came here in 1994, wow. and I was 32 years old. Dude, I was the right I was in middle four. school. Were you really? I believe so. Were you, were you taking lots of chemistry and studying anatomy? No, I, was I like, bet you were. I was like in speech therapy class. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did that. Continuing around the room. What, what is it? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this is like the Cleveland Moto podcast. We'll be at minute fifty-two, still getting an introduction. And to her left, it's Stumpy John. What's up, everybody? Hey. It's the time of the season. You made it for back. loving. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. And of course it's everyone's favorite. Naked Jim. Hey, what's happening? Yeah, good to be back. I was in Atlanta. Doing some traveling. Shout out to Atlanta. What a great city. Diverse, fun, electric scooters everywhere. People having a good time. But yeah, nice to be back in the studio. Shout out. Ride dirt bikes. Nice. And then uh, joining us in the shit show, we've got two special guests. And you might be surprised to find out what our topics are tonight. Something that most people don't expect of us. Of you. Okay. I'll go with that. (laughs) But joining us um, from... San Francisco, Harley Davidson. It's Nick and Caitlin. Hey, guys. Go I mean, ahead. you go. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm kind of surprised at the uh, pants. I don't like what? I said, I came oh. for the no pants. Jim and oh, the, pants. the no There's pants. There's supposed to be no pants. pants. Oh. Oh. Well, the pants oh, off, dance off comes at the end. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, right. Wait, do you want to fix that? Here we go. Oh, no, 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 no. We're on camera. As long as the balls don't come out. All right. Um, There you go. Okay. Okay. And then. That was exciting. Last but not least, everyone's favorite ginger. It's Bagel. (laughs) Kiss a ginger. Oh, no, Bagel, you froze. (laughs) He's smiling. Oh, no. no. He's smiling. No, that's Oh, oh, perhaps he didn't have a very good Oh, Oh, yes. For the miracle of modern technology. Yeah, there he is. Something like that. Yeah, Bagel's coming to us remotely. And uh, if you're. Watching the video on YouTube, there's crazy split screen action going on. That was like a 30 Indeed. minute intro, bro. Dude, I know, <laughs> I know. Well, let's get to why, uh, why? Nick and Caitlin are here. Why is anybody and, here? And why Knock should have been sense. here earlier? Because uh, I'm a big dum dum. That's why I wasn't because here. Well, we knew that already, darling. Because they brought the the uh, Harley Pan America here. Dude, we got to ride it. Dude, that thing looks cool. It's I, a cool fucking looking bike. I licked it. 
Did you really? I did. did. And you want to know a secret, Mark? It doesn't just look cool. It rides cool. It rides. Well, it's it looks a lot smaller than it does in the photos. I tell you what. Oh, it's a big. The old bikes always do that, but like it was on the flatbed. Even when I was looking up on it, I was like, "Wow, this is actually you know no, it's reasonable size. It's a big bike. Is it big? I don't know. You know what else I did with it? Oh God, that's right. (laughs) Wow, I dicked the. The Pan America. Wow. Oh, well done. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Last time they bring a bike. Uh, well done. Can you see that? That's can you right. see that bagel? <laughs> no, it's moving around. It is not uh, the dildo glide. I did. I had to. I had to. D- it's. But you know what? I wasn't the first one to get a ride because there was someone in the room who was quite insistent that they be the first to ride it. Well, it didn't start that way. <laughs> so my actual words, I think it was to, or it might have been to Caitlin. I said, look. No, it was to Nick. We were talking about the bike, and I said, look, we're going to let everyone else ride it, and then I'll be last, and blah, 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 blah. And then I found out that it had four miles on it. I'm like, oh, really? I'm riding it first. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. God. So you want to give your assessment? Um, Gosh, there's so much to talk about. It's, It's an adventure bike. It has a lot of go in it. Rightly or wrongly, I think up to this point, in terms of just raw power, um, you know, the JS1200 is probably a benchmark. Um, I know um, the Super 10s have got a lot of power in them, but this is a completely different league. This is 150, 140, 150 horsepower, 90 foot-pounds of torque. This thing moves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's physically big. It's not intimidating, though, which I liked it very much. I could chuck it around quite easily. Um, I'm going to keep it short because I want everyone else to have their impressions. The only downside of it that I found, and I think it may have been an idiosyncrasy of riding it around in a, the city on a hot day, the back cylinder was very, very intrusive in terms of heat on you my right. Uh, you didn't get it to Highway 9 at all? like just right No, down. it's no, quite a short around. test ride. Okay. But you're very aware that the inside of your left knee is against the rocker cover. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very, very aware of that. If I, I think if it was mine, I'd just find some way to kind of push my knee away from that a little bit. Yeah. But literally, that tiny thing is the only thing I found that I could remotely criticize about it. And really, it was a, it was a, it wasn't even really a complaint. It was just an observation. It's, it's a, a quirk. It's a bloody, it's quirk. a, it's a bloody marvelous thing. Yeah. It what, really is. What do you think about the fit and finish? Oh God, it's amazing. You know, I've been ranting about how well Harleys have been screwed together for the last 20 years. I mean, the AMF days are long gone. Yeah, that's um, your favorite. <laughs> and I, no, I you will. You prefer your screws loose. I will maintain that up until this point, Harley have not made anything as handsome as they did during the AMF days. Those AMF superglides, God, those are good looking bikes. But this is really, really good looking and it is beautifully made. The black paint is flawless, absolutely flawless. I don't know how they get it that smooth. Yeah, it's it like looks it's good. Bentley smooth. Yeah, it's it's even beyond Jag smooth. I mean, it's Bentley smooth. The black paint, and it's just nice. You know, it's just nice. I thought kind of the Everything trellis kind work of, looked good. Like on yeah. the back, the trellis work looked good. You know, it's There's nice. A lot of good looking stuff too. And the th- and the thing is, I think the criticize criticism a lot of people have about Harley's is they can be a little bit ostentatious you know they can have sort of 
kind of hokey paint schemes and a little too much chrome. Not from the factory, they don't. People people take them and then they You can they buy chromed out ones, but <laughs> this is very, very tasteful. Yeah. It's like, it's, I never thought it would make, I could find a bike that would make an Africa Twin look blingy, mm-hmm. but this does. It's very restrained. It's very tasteful. Um, yeah, you I, mean, know, I looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's an adventure bike. Big thumbs up for yeah. me and just a unique face. You know, I just look at a bike's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's absolutely unique in profile. Oh, yeah. you, you definitely know what it is going down the road, you know? Nick, tell us what colors it comes in and the thing about the how you can swap it around. Yeah, so uh, essentially it comes in vivid black, which is obviously Harley's number one color. Um, it comes in a white and orange variant, which is kind of almost like tic-tac-y. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they actually just released for the American market a Deadwood Green, which is kind of a muted... Uh, matte is pretty. Yeah, it's nice. very pretty. But you can swap parts. You can. So uh, we were. You, you didn't check this out, Emma, did you? No, I didn't yeah. say it. But I was talking to Nick about it, and we said, you know, you can you can change out the panels very very quickly and give it a different flavor. When we were when we were up at Alice's, mm-hmm. uh, we were kind of having fun because the we were with the Harley factory guys and everything like that. So we were having fun because you can literally pop the face of that off. And run over to another bike and put it on. Nice. And yeah, so the whole kind of it's almost like a bikini fairing, right? right. Very modular. Like there's it's no held on like a side cover, like... just pops oh, interesting. Okay. In and pops out. I like that. Yeah. And so we were kind of upsetting the factory Harley guys because we were putting <laughs> the white one on the black one and the black one on the green one and the green one. On... <laughs> Do the whole paper doll thing. Yep. Then everybody comes back from factory and they're upset because all the customers are giggling about the bike. But yeah, it's very modular, very fun, quick, easy access to the front. So, John, what was your assessment? Because you got to sit on the one last week that yeah. went up and down. Yeah, so the one – I was hoping you were going to have the one with the adjustable <laughs> suspension. We tried. But I get it, yeah. So it was uh, – the, the only problem I had was getting the kickstand up. So just trying to get it leaned over far enough to do that. But uh, once I got moving, it was it was great. So <laughs> I, I don't know if I was helping by running No, you weren't that. helping. No. <laughs> you were not helping. <laughs> I will say the one – the one criticism I have of it is the um, the front skid plate. There's a what is yeah. the voltage regulator that sticks out. I think the battery's behind that. I think for true like hardcore off off road stuff that that might could be problematic if you're in the baby heads and in some of the rocks. Smashed. Yeah. But on the one with the, um, the is it called live suspension? What are you calling it? Uh, active. Active suspension. It lowered enough for you to feel comfortable on it, didn't it? Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, that's the one so, advantage, I think, of this bike, the game changer. So this thing effectively is an adjustable ride height device, or like it automatically rides. It does. When you come to a stop, it'll lower down. Right. And it's pretty seamless. I mean, you don't really okay. feel it very much. Yeah. When, like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, when you're riding it, you really don't feel... Because we were we were up there and we were we were messing around and stuff. Right. So we put like the low seat on, we put mm-hmm. the active suspension on, and it, I mean, it drops you down three four inches yeah okay wow but what you're saying is when you actually start riding it it goes to a normal height it's a fixed geometry once it's moving yep once you're going it it will raise back up to its full full potential that's cool i've heard some people say that the suspension seemed a little soft or sluggish compared to the fixed one that was a little more responsive yeah, it's definitely, it's almost like a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. If if you're talking to somebody like me and John, uh, and we love it because we've never been able to flat foot on a bike like that. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas I think if you're going to be talking to an uh, ADV person that has gone out, does all this very regularly, they're probably going to enjoy the standard with the, the normal Showa mm-hmm. suspension on it. 
I think I think it's cool for like maybe third parties to come and hack it and have adjustable geometry. You know, you want setting one, setting two, setting three, depending on how sporty or more you know relaxed it is. I think that's pretty neat. Um, The potentials there, and so on, Simon. I'd love to say something. The suspension is brilliant, just on the base model. Yeah, and it's it's really easy to use. You know, you most bikes now have a menu. And you scroll mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. This was so easy. I mean, within uh, 30 seconds, I'd turned everything off except for the sport mode and just done a firm on the suspension, which is generally how I like bikes. Yeah. And then off I went. It was bloody great. Right on. I really had a good time with it. How about you, Henry? You tried it, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. I tried the uh, base model with uh, regular suspension <clears throat> and cast wheels uh, last week up in Alice's and the Honda. So I had the opportunity to basically ride it not on a nice sunny Santa Cruz day in downtown. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I loved it personally. Uh, they started you off in rain mode. I immediately switched to sport mode to get the full 150 horsepower. And it was great. Like I, like it turned in really nice and easy, but it, and I felt there was a lot of uh, feedback through the frame, but it still held a line very confidently. Oh, that's good. And the brakes were really good on it, too. Like, I was trail braking pretty easily uh, once I started getting going. And by the end of the turnaround point, I'd basically jumped my way up to the uh, first in line in front of everybody else. Nice. Uh, you, that was you? Huh? <laughs> that was you? <laughs> yeah. I may, I may or may not have given it a little bit power, a little real world power <laughs> test of uh, passing yeah. cars. Yeah. Did it, did it feel like I, like, like, I saw you on my way up. <laughs> <laughs> did it feel like a familiar motorcycle when you get on it? Like, because I mean, you have a Nord, right? Like, a I have a uh, Guzzi, a, a Moto Guzzi uh, Stelvio. Stelvio, sorry. Mm-hmm. A, you know, basically, a Moto Guzzi is an Italian Harley, or as yeah. I like to call it, it's an Italian Harley. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But Stereotypes, it is really? anyone? It, no, it, it was like you're there, Liza. <laughs> Flawless accent. It was like I was talking to my family. It was great. I can That's smell the pizza Harley. from now. But um, yeah, I mean, like, so yeah. Uh, compared to your uh, to your Stelvio, I mean, they- the Stelvio has a stiffer frame than the Harley, but I would say they both hold a line about equal. Yeah. In terms of weight, the Stelvio is a hundred pounds heavier than the Harley. Yeah. But they're actually both as flickable, just because of how the uh, transverse mo- motor is with the uh, Stelvio. But the brakes are definitely better on the Harley, and I would say the suspension is better tuned on the Harley iRoad, which was the base model with the cast wheels. And also, too, I think that's probably why it felt maybe a little bit more nimble as well, because it, my Stelvio has spokes on it, which are going to be heavier than cast wheels, so it's going to be easier to uh, turn it with the Pan America, the iRoad. But I was really impressed by it. It was a, an amazing bike. So I will admit that Harley has brought a bike in, I would say, on an even playing field with the big displacement adventure bikes. So if we list those, uh, the Africa Twin, the Super Tenere, the BMW GS. Mm-hmm. Triumph Tiger 1200. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah Triumph Tiger Explorer. 1200. The GS is the one that everybody else chases. I, I was talking to Nick sure. when I did when I did Ducati training a few years ago, and... Um, Ducati were making a lot of inroads with a multi-strider with quality and with the equipment and it, the mantra was we want the GS rider these are the ones we want we want the GS crowd mm-hmm. yeah. and this is this is absolutely <clears throat> heading towards that crowd well but I'm just acknowledging the other players right who have made a bike that now you can just go by personal preference right right so um, having ridden most of those bikes I haven't ridden the big 
tiger. But for me, I thought that they have a bike that is in that playing field now. For me, the um, Pan America, the foot pegs were too high and back, much like the FJ09. Mm. Uh, you got a long leg, though. Right. That it wasn't centered to my weight for yeah. me. That's it. That that's my biggest complaint, and that's a reason why I didn't buy an FJ09. Right, because the foot pegs didn't it didn't fit my my body position. That's it. I always feel like ergonomics um, is an issue with so, a lot of people, though. I mean, so I would say that um, on my Honda Africa Twin, I feel just I like the engine, the feel of the engine better. It's smoother. You know the the Pan Pan America has it has that Harley beast thing, even though it doesn't sound like it. It's so quiet, but it has a bit of that twin beast. But I feel that the Super Ten is a little more gutsy in the engine. If you're just gonna you know open up, um, wait, what does that mean exactly? I'm just comparing my personal preferences. Oh, I see. Um, and the GS I feel is more nimble in turns because that weight is lower and it drops right. into turns a lot easier. But I really like the Harley styling. For me, that's that where I'm like, I like that they've come up with something unique. It looks good. I think that it is a in the fair playing field with all these other bikes we mentioned. I mean, oh, I'm sorry, I was going to say, and let's put this styling thing to rest right now because a lot of people will accuse us and say, that is so superficial just being attracted to bike because of the styling. But I defy anyone, if you can have the best bike in the world, but if it is just excruciatingly ugly, mm -hmm. and every time you look at it, the Katana is a masterpiece. But PC-800. Again, oh, don't blaspheme. a masterpiece. Don't blaspheme but if your bike is just so excruciatingly ugly, you can't even look at it straight, it ain't the bike for you. So styling really counts for far more than you think it should be. But riding a motorcycle is a very visceral experience our anyway. Our 1200C. Ooh. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh. Yeah, a hard well, bike to love. Is, yeah. it's, it's that whole like when you park your bike, you walk away and you turn around, you look at it, you go, oh, yeah, that's my yeah, bike. I yeah. do You that. want that. Yeah, you want that. Right. So you want um, that experience. you know you're the wrong one if you don't do it, right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. More, more importantly is the second look. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I thought it, I would say that it didn't lack in anything so much as other things were just a little bit better to me and other, you know, other bikes for certain things. But it's definitely personal taste and, and also a nitpicky, you know, uh, comment. Um, we didn't really get to go out and tour on it. Um, I will say I really like the bar position. It's I very didn't, neutral, I didn't it? like it at first. Because when you're sitting, actually, it fits me. I have long arms, and it's way forward. Mm -hmm. But when I stand up, it's not forward enough. And I was like, I want to like roll them forward. But when I'm sitting, which you're going to be doing most of the time, I felt it was very comfortable forward bars. So I understand why they need to be down and kind of coming back. Um, no, I think Harley has done made a good bike. I haven't found any great faults in it. 
Mm. You know, we'll see. Maybe let's see how many ca- of those front cowlings start popping off on the freeway. <laughs> well, one thing I did notice, I was following uh, Emma out when you and Emma were leading on the mm-hmm. first the first ride, and I saw you try to try to leave him in the dust, and you guys were hauling ass down Chestnut Street. Oh no, we were treating the bikes with respect. Yeah, and I was on the FC one. I'm like, you guys were ripping down the street, so it it pulls. No, it's it's got some go in it. Oh yeah. Um, it's. You know, it, it's not a four-cylinder bike. If you're well, used, yeah. you you would be looking for power. Oh yeah, for sure. Compared with your FC one, yeah. But it's got a lot more power than an. Africa. Okay, so and it's got a lot more power as than far a as Super Ten in power delivery. It's it it's there from zero to yes. whatever the rev yes. limit is. Yeah. Yes, it's very straight, very linear. Because yes. I love that about yes. twin bikes. All those bikes. things. So the other yeah. one of the other big things. I mean, you have to get it off road though. Is uh, like with the Africa Twin, twenty-one inch front wheel, right? Mm-hmm. This has a nineteen-inch front, yep. which is still plenty big. Right, but that's another. I'd be curious to do it like in some real low speed. You see, kind of I think that's and a, then rip up some baby head. Yeah. That's going to be a compromise because it's a compromise for the good. Because everybody I talk to who owns an Africa Twin loves how they ride in the dirt and hates how they ride on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Everyone, including mm-hmm. Liza, oh, oh, the yeah. twenty-one inch and the wheel? nine. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, and totally. the nineteen-inch wheel or nineteen, yeah, is a lot better. I grew up riding super bikes with 19-inch wheels. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff I used to ride back in the 70s, the gs Thaws, the Z1s, the Z, you know, Z11s, they all had 19-inch front wheels. It's a lot more stable platform on the freeway, and I think probably that's why Harley did it. And, you know, I would love to know how much you're giving away in the dirt to get this really stable highway platform yeah. well and we always talk about even our adventure bikes how much are we actually adventuring in some in some dirt it's probably at most 85 percent of the time we're on the street okay. we do more than normal people yeah. with I, adventure bikes i have yeah. a question so uh as far as the different models you can get can mm-hmm. you get an option with it sounds like you can get an option with cast wheels but uh what size tires do you can you get it with 16, 17s, or 20s? No, I think, I think in the wheel department, it's either cast or, or spoke, but I mm-hmm. believe it's it's still 19s. 19s, okay. 19 in front, 17, 17 in, in the, the rear. Got You've it. got a 170 rear tire. Gotcha. And I think a 110 or a 120. It's, a it's chunky in the front. Yeah, yeah, okay. The other thing, when you're talking about the price, um, one of my biggest uh, criticisms about the live wire when we discovered that it was an, an actual bona fide bike was bang for the buck compared to the best zero it was what like 10 grand more it was so priced out they made a legitimate bike but priced it out this bike is i believe in par with the gs the base model of this is about the same price as the best africa twin so africa twin is still like a good value but um it's close it's close it's they definitely got it in the ballpark it's really hard to find many faults with it. No, I, te- I tell you what, no price. We need to get on this thing because it's a lot cheaper than the GS and it is a lot cheaper than a Multistrada. Yeah. We're not oh. counting the Multistrada in this. Well, I think it even comes in under the Triumph, uh, the Explorer. I think it's Red Match 21. Explorers really? have been getting expensive lately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How does not- it compare to the 1290 Super Adventures from KTMs? Like price wise, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know the the They're, price of the KTM. Yeah, those things are like north of nineteen or something. Like I was gonna say, I think right it's right there. in the ballpark because the standard is mid seventeen, yeah, seventeen, uh, and then the special with all the the goodies on it is twenty. So it's same level as uh, Multistrada, Ducati, and KTM. All the right. other expensive yeah, it, it, 
there i mean obviously it can fluctuate because like if you get the special with the adjustables <coughs> it's going to go up to like 21 22 um and these are all like you know How rough numbers but uh the the if you get the base model with the standard suspension everything like that it's right around mid 17. how much okay. was the one we wrote today nick so that's the wire wheel version with the the basic but adjustable suspension i believe that is the bottom end of the special so that would be right at the 18. No, it's a uh, the right at the 20 ish mark. Okay. So, oh, I do have uh one fault that we found with it. It did overheat today. Did it? It did. It overheated where it would not turn back on. Oh, now, that was it. Okay. We were taking it for short rides, but it was staying in motion always like 20 30 miles an hour. Um and it wasn't I mean, it's, it's Santa Cruz hot, well, you know, so it wasn't like a 98 yeah, degree day, but in defense, but it did overheat in defense of the bike. Um, it had got four miles on it or it had got 17 miles on it when it overheated. Yeah. So it got no miles. It's probably got this stupid braking oil in it. Um, and we, we were doing a lot of idling in the park in the parking lot yeah. between so riders. You guys didn't take it out of town at all or no? No, we weren't allowed to not. We just did oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was, okay. No, because okay. we only had one and we had a whole bunch of people here. Got it. So we just did laps around Neary. And and it's gotcha. and it's beach traffic, weekend traffic. Yeah, so there were nut jobs. Oh, which I wanna say first there was somebody doing a U turn on Washington Street who as we're coming down the road, they just froze and stopped in our lane. I'm like, I'm not going to go behind a car with reverse lights on. No. They're doing a three-point turn in the middle of the road. Then I get down to the uh, <laughs> to the rotary, and there were pedestrians, so everyone was kind of stopped on the rotary. And somebody decided while they're in the rotary that maybe they want to go up that road instead, so they were backing up. Oh, jeez. Oh, and I'm Shut just like, <laughs> it was just like, it was just... It was shit, Joe. It was shit, Joe. <laughs> but contrary yeah. to what Jim says, we weren't thrashing those bikes, were we, Liza? No. no. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Though I know Charlie got in trouble today for borrowing Micah's bike and wheeling it. <laughs> uh, the Pan America, for reference, will do wheelies, that. by the way. Oh, good. Perfect. Oh, no, I, I vouch for that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> congratulations, you know, to Harley Davidson. It sounds like you guys are already selling them. Can't keep them on the floor even before they get here. Really? Well, are they pre-orders and like just people? Yeah, we're we're actually so uh, Harley is allocated two bikes per store essentially. Uh-huh. Uh San Jose's out. San Francisco's essentially out. Uh, wow. We have six more bikes on the way, I believe, with pre-orders. So we're wow. riding somebody's bike. No. No. <laughs> Breaking it in. <clears throat> no, I'll make sure that um, uh, John gets that scuff off the seat. But um, in conclusion, I did not scuff the seat for the record. Um, but in conclusion, it's something I think you would never hear from the misfits in general and Liza in particular. No, 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 no. Bar that is not true. Okay. <laughs> because I have not met any of the owners of a Pan American. <laughs> I reserve my judgment for them. That's true. Uh, that is who my beef is with. The Dyna Bros. The bikes. Do they have special skulls for the uh, Pan America? And oh, God. Well, let's just say the first guy that uh, bought his Pan America from us has already painted it, did the Shark Tank thing, you know, mouth open, his patch wear, got rid of his bike, and this is his bike, but he it, wouldn't be your ADB rider by any means. So far, he's already Great. done a full uh, A10 Warthog yep. paint nice. job to it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So where's the whip attachment? Corbin gunfighter. Yeah. Well, and 
And I wanted, coming. <laughs> I wanted to bring something up because this is getting a lot of buzz. In fact, there was a great uh, test ride a couple of weeks ago where they took people out um, Rawhide Adventures down in Southern California in the desert. And we like those guys. riders, including yes. Aaron Sills, who really put it to the test. Aaron Sills had a great write-up on it. Right. So it's getting very good reviews. But I want to remind everyone that this is not Harley Davidson's first foray into dirt. Oh, no, not Fuel. by a long shot. That's true. Emma, you want to fill us in? Well, it's been a long time. Is this a history hole? It might be. Oh it's my. still me. It might be. I bet you it's yes. We need it nappy. Come, everybody. It's Emma's history hole. It's dark. Her hole is warm. It's dark. It's stank. It's where I keep all my stuff. It's It's Emma's history hole. (laughs) Um, Feel me, Emma. (laughs) That just got weird. That just got weird. You had to go there. (laughs) Um, We're kind of going to start in 1957. Well... We'll start in 1957, but it actually goes back further than that. But we're going to start in 1957 with the Harley XL series. And the Harley XL series were what became the Sportsters. And they weren't always known as Sportsters. But in 1957, Harley Davidson came out with the unit construction. And basically, the unit construction was the engine and transmission were all in one big lump. Mm -hmm. 883 or 1000cc. Uh, oh God! You put that away right now, oh, Jim. No. I'm no. Jim, what the heck? He's got a panda mask on. And it's his purge band. Extremely oh, disconcerting. And you know the worst part about it? That. I don't think that's for a child. I think that's from some sick deviant party that you're going to. <laughs> Is that uh, another one of your weird? G-strings? It's for a zerpiken. It's is a furry. It's uh, a merkin. Is he? Are it's you a merkin? Are you He's a, a furry? Are you a plushie? No, no, nothing of the well, sort. Well, actually, Thank you. just technically, you are. Huh? I've seen you with your shirt off. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Bumps. <laughs> Anyhow, so back to the history. Yeah. So. We're talking about the very, very early Harley-Davidson sportsness. And they in themselves were kind of developed from the from the K-series, which started in the very early 50s, but that was a side valve engine. The sports of the XL series was an overhead valve engine. But we're going to focus in on one model, the CH. And unofficially, everyone refers to it CH competition hot. That was actually always an unofficial title. It was almost a nickname given to it by Harley. However, this bike came in both street and street scrambler versions. A lot of bikes did back then. The term street scrambler, you've often heard referred to as British bikes. But what people don't realize is the Sportster was a direct competitor for English bikes of the time. And if Triumph were doing a street scrambler and BSA were doing a street scrambler, well, guess what? Harley were doing too, because it was firmly in their sights. So for every Sportster that they sold with low pipes and street tires, they were selling two with high pipes and knobby tires on. This was back in the late 50s. And the Sportster, we talked about it last week. It's one of the longest running models in Harley-Davidson history. It's virtually, I'm not going to say it's virtually unchanged, but there's a direct lineage 
from 1957 to 2021. And if you want to include the K series, which shared the same bottom end, you can go back to the KH of 1954. So that's quite a lineage. And there was always a dirt package. And these are the true Harley Davidson dual sport bikes going way back to the 1950s. You know, Motorcycle News in England tested a Harley Sports to 1,000, competition hot in 1960, and it was the fastest bike they'd ever tested at the time. Hmm. Now, put that into perspective, that's faster than a Vincent Black Shadow, mm -hmm. as bizarre as it sounds, because you think, oh, yes, uh, Harley-Davidson, you know, um, CH, Vincent Black Shadow. The Vincent's going to be a way faster bike. But the Harley-Davidson actually went through the traps quicker. And in that particular test, they used it almost exclusively off-road because that's what the bike was set up as. There's a great example. Jim's just found me a lovely picture of a very, very early bike. Yep, and that is a 59. Knobby tires, high pipes. Look how handsome that is. Isn't that delightful? A little seat, too. Yeah. Nice. So mm. we'll post that one up. So there's just a mini history hole. So Harley Adventure Bikes? Nah, I don't think so. You know, we've got to, the Pan America, as exciting as it is, it's part of a long line of them. But we did have the Buell Ulysses, too. Well, the Ulysses, yeah. I mean, Buell always had a funny nepotistic relationship mm. with Harley. It was run as an autonomous company, mm -hmm. even though Eric Buell at a you know, time was an employee for a while. You know, I always feel like if you own a motorcycle company, there, at one point or another, you will have to get into the adventure market it. Nowadays, yeah. even even like briefly, you know. Yeah, it's where it's part of, Yeah, it's you just got to do it. So, Emma, quick question for you. So, being from San Francisco, yes, Suicide Club with Harley, yes, flat track days, uphill yes. racing. There you go, flat track. We didn't even get in. You see, I was doing the the um the dirt segment. You want to talk about Harley flat track history? Good yeah. lord, it is their history. Yeah, yeah. started in the dirt. Mert Lawwell. Yeah. Yeah. To name one. Well, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk what with um, all the moves that Harley's making, the live wire, now the Pan America, that they're diversifying and, and trying new things to try and save the company. But this is nothing new because they've been doing this for, right. for forever. In fact, it's time for Bagel's History Hole. Bagel, what are you going to share with us today? Well, maybe maybe it's a mini bagel history yeah. hole. Um, this is is it about, as dank as Emma's history uh, hole? A, <laughs> it's a little it, more. Who's, got uh, who's crawling into his hole? <laughs> it just got weird again. So th this is about the not a not a Harley dirt bike. But a Harley scooter. That's right. Uh, which is called the Harley Topper. Oh, the plopper. Uh, that Harley <laughs> produced from 1961 yes. to 1965. Hmm. Yeah, this was a one-cylinder, uh, two-stroke uh, engine that had uh, pre used premixed fuel. Uh, it was 165cc, or in freedom units, that's 10 cubic inches. <laughs> and it featured reed valve induction. Uh, it put out an honest American 9.5 horsepower. Mm -hmm. And uh, it started with a pull start. 
uh, and it had a top speed of 46 miles per hour. Um, There was also a detuned model that only put out five horsepower uh, because it used a uh, carburetor restrictor. And uh, this was for states that had restricted laws for minimum driving ages. So like if you were 14 or whatever and you could ride a restricted bike, that was what that market was for. Hmm. Um, And uh, so this this was a a very interesting, uh, has an interesting heritage because the engine for this bike came from war reparations from Germany after World War II. Hmm. Uh, the engine was based on the DKW Hummel 125cc motor, um, and Harley had uh, boarded out for uh, for the market after a little more power. Um, however, they had counted on uh, cooling to be provided by a, uh, the airflow underneath the bike. Mm. Um, so they didn't provide any cooling tins, or which unfortunately led these bikes to have a lot of overheating problems. <clears throat> um, one other uh, uh, negative mark that they had a lot was uh, they had a CVT automatic transmission, but it tended to slip. Since it's a two-stroke, there was lots of oil around. Mm. Um, it uh, did feature 12-inch wheels, which was a uh, full two inches bigger than most other scooters of the day. Um, it had a steel tube frame, uh, a steel front fender, and leg shield. Uh, and it had a very uh, <clears throat> sort of a box for bikes at the time. Um, it was mainly marketed towards uh, kids and young, the younger market, um, and the uh, the models were upgraded in 1961 uh, with a little bit of different styling. Um, but unfortunately, because the scooter market was already in decline at that point, the Harley Topper never caught on, um, never really sold, and just kind of was a flop. And after five years, they just pulled the plug on the whole the whole product, and That's it was. A and it was done, but there are still a few models around that uh, that still exist that you can find on uh, you know, for sale online. Um, I've I've never ridden one myself, but I'd be very interested to try it out just to see what it's like. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it it features uh, sort of a two two tone uh, paint scheme, usually a cream and uh, some other uh, color like red or blue or. or here. It looks like uh, um, an igloo cooler. Makes me want to buy like ice it. cream. <laughs> I like it. It's cool. It, it, it is very refrigerator-like. It looks ahead of its time a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a you know a, a very kind of sort of a utilitarian styling design uh, from back in the day. It's not, it's 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 unique, I'll say. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and, and it definitely looks looks very vintage uh, from with modern eyes. It's, it's like a, it's European blocky. How like it's no sharp corners. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. got that smooth old Jetta, like nineties Jetta look. It, or something. It's, it's from the Bauhaus school of design. The, yeah, <laughs> no, it's yeah. yeah it's Are those passenger pegs or for like drag racing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that so that was that was the the scooter that Harley produced. However, it's not <clears throat> not the only Harley scooter that exists. Mm. Um, there is another Harley scooter out there, um, which did not actually get created by Harley, but was created out of a Harley. <clears throat> and this was, um, excuse me, 
This was uh, invented and designed by our friend Craig Vetter. Uh, uh, yes. And this bike is known as the Defiant Torpedo Scooter. Raise your hand uh, if you've seen it. That's is, right. Is that the one that yes. big ass V twin in it? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It has yes. A, See, a Harley. And I bet you, Nick and Caitlin didn't know this bike exists, did you? No. Yeah, yes. No. Secret laboratory yeah. stuff. Yes. Yeah. This was uh, designed around uh, 2004, from from what I understand, mm -hmm. and um, it's basically a fully enclosed uh, scooter with bodywork, front and rear, around a Harley engine and drivetrain with a step through design, uh, which is, com uh, there is one model that has uh, bodywork that has portholes, a tail fin, ribbed bumpers, uh, two-tone 50s colors. Um, and it's, it's a gigantic, massive scooter, basically, uh, with Harley wheels, you know, motorcycle-sized wheels. Um, and it's it's very long. It's it's longer than a uh, a regular Harley because uh, there's added length for the step through design. Hmm. So it's um, yeah, it's a very a very interesting looking bike. And um, it was from what I understand, the idea was that this company called uh, Defiant would produce the bike, mm -hmm. um, but apparently for whatever reason, it never it never got it off the ground. I, I wasn't able to find out a lot of information about what happened with it, but but there are a few. Oh, we know what happened with it. Yeah, we've I mean, seen we know, it. Yeah, right, we've seen the <clears throat> we've seen the prototypes. Yeah, it's parked uh, which, in Carmel Valley right now. Yeah, right. Two yeah, of so them. the the bikes. Yeah, the bikes still exist, um, but it never went into production. So, um, but it, but interestingly, um, there is another scooter that is also known as the Defiant, which was a British scooter from the sixties, which kind of has a similar nose to the, uh, the Vetter Defiant torpedo. Um, so you can look up a, uh, DKR Defiant if you want to see what that looks like. Nice. Thank you, Bagel. You're welcome. Well, and I, I like that hole. Thanks. Well, and I... <laughs> Whose hole's better? Like hole? That's the question. So, guess what? I've got holes, too. Oh, really? Oh, don't ever, don't ever we'll, say those we'll, words I mean, again. We'll pass on that. Don't Come on. ever say those words well, I feel like again. everyone else has been in there. I want to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm here to remind everyone <laughs> that, at least in this room, Harley-Davidson has a history of racing, not just flat track racing, yeah. but they actually got into... Road racing. Road racing. Exhaust. And, you know, it's my favorite model right here. Yeah. The Harley Davidson VR1000 race bike. Lucifer's hammer, right? Um, and here's the thing that was interesting about this bike. Yeah, it used the V-twin engine, but Harley Davidson saw the writing on the wall that things were starting to change and that um, you needed to make more eco-friendly engines, right? And so they put that into the race bike. And even though... It wasn't hugely successful, and it took them years to kind of develop it. But it was, um, it was, I believe it was fuel injected. It had uh, overhead cam instead of push rods. Um, so it, uh, let's see, and it had uh, water cooling. It was water cooled. I think it was one of the first water cooled Harley Davidsons. So they put all those things into the race technology, like many companies do. Things that go to race bikes then make it out. Right. Into regular bikes. Um, it never really lived up to the dream, but the Harley VR 1000, if you ask me, is, is a beautiful bike, beautifully designed. 
I would love to ride it. This has got to be the beast of all beasts with that engine. But also it was crucial in the evolution of the modern day Harley Davidsons and a lot of the, the things that they put into them to make them better bikes. But I tell you what, that thing you've got up on the screen right mm-hmm. now on the right, that's a brilliant looking bike. It really is. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. that's all. That's almost Britain beautiful. I know that's that's, uh, yeah. that's just a render, though, right? It's it is pan, unfortunately, yeah. and you know the engine looks surprisingly mm-hmm. Pan America-ish. That mm-hmm. doesn't. But if you go back to the rendering mm-hmm. and look at the rocker boxes and the clutch cover, that's right. that's mm-hmm. a Pan America mill. I like the one piece yeah. tank mm-hmm. and seat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. crushingly handsome. Yeah, so they have a, a long history, and in fact, we mentioned it earlier, the live wire, and I wanted to do a little bit of news. Nick, are you going to be able to explain to us what is happening with the live wire? No longer the Harley live wire. Are it you guys no aware of this? It's no yeah. longer the Harley live wire. It is now just live wire. Just live wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're peeling away from Harley. Uh, and creating their own brand, essentially kind of like, think, Toyota, Scion type deal. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be for a good thing just because it, it kind of gives it a different avenue to go down along you know, with other customers. One of the biggest things you know, a lot of people get a little shy about is coming into the actual dealership. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of give a different avenue for people to go experience the bike, look at it, feel it, everything like that without having any sort of the... Uh, intimidation so and and emma maybe you can speak to this uh, a bit so nick doesn't get in trouble um dealerships are required to carry yes. cert, uh, so many models you know yes. of every bike right. so by doing a deal like this the dealerships are not required to have right. a live wire right and this, it, it makes a lot of sense because if you think about the traditional Harley buyer. And I mean, they come in many, many flavors. And we don't like doing stereotypes here, but if you go down to any Harley Davidson dealer on a Saturday afternoon, generally you can see the old timers and there's always plenty of them. And then, you know what, what uh, me and Caitlin have been laughing about the Dyna Bros. And (laughs) sorry for any of them watching. (laughs) Yeah. um, The Dyna Bros. In yeah. California, the diner Do they is, usually have a, a ponytail? And they usually have a Sons of Anarchy shirt on, too. <laughs> um, Vans, plaid shirt, Simpson bandit uh, helmet, yeah, yeah. those okay. guys. Yep. You to have your ball cap So they went great straight from right. skateboard yeah. rack to... Yeah, wheeling got it. in front of a bar. But then... Eat lots of ramen. We're going to introduce the demographic who are interested in the live wire, and they don't necessarily fit in that crowd. And they may be intimidated by that crowd. I mean, frankly, you know, to walk into a busy Harley-Davidson dealership on a Saturday afternoon, you really need to be quite cocksure of yourself because there's always lots of characters kicking around. So it makes sense. If you're making a bike that is so different that it's going to appeal to a completely different crowd, make it a standalone brand. Mm -hmm. And as well, and I might be dropping you in it now, Nick, because... (laughs) But we'll, I, I said, well, usually when a manufacturer does a standalone brand, that means there's going to be lots of other models within that brand, just as Hon- uh, Toyota did with the Prius. Mm-hmm. The Prius is not a model anymore. It is the Prius family, and there's the Prius 5 and blah, 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 blah. Just as the Livewire is going to be a range of Livewires now. Are you allowed to say that, Nick? 
I can neither confirm well, nor deny. There you go. Say, and now, so will they be work building them in Milwaukee, or where will they build them from here on? Do you know? They'll have their own factories. They will. Mm-hmm. Domestic, you think? I, I think starting out, they're still coming from yeah. from Wisconsin. But yeah, I mean, they they have their R and D actually based out here in Palo Alto for the liveware. So right. wondering okay. if they're going to be utilizing that a bit more, but. Hmm. So we cannot confirm or deny, as Nick says. If Livewire yeah. starts coming out in different models, and one of those is an electric scooter, oh, uh, let me know. You should do it, man. You think you'd buy one? Uh, it all depends on the performance, but I'm I'm always interested in a very good, robust electric scooter. You guys, this is crazy. Like we're all like, like, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd ride that Harley. Yeah, I'd have. It's like. Harley is really changing well, things up, but we're projecting like, something that may happen. Like, you, like an electric topper? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd be into that. That would be cool. The yeah. Thing? Okay. Now, now no, I found Bagel, I found one on Amazon for about a thousand bucks, and it's a cooler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cost of a Yeti. I think the, th- <laughs> the thing that has impressed me the most, we all want Harley to do well. And you get this notion that they're kind of scrambling to find new audiences and cobbling things together, and it's all kind of half-assed. Mm-hmm. There is nothing I have seen from them recently that is half-assed at all. A Livewire is a beautiful bike and is screwed together very, very well. And this Pan America is as good as anything I've ever seen yeah. from Europe or Japan. Mm-hmm. So these are not cobbled together bikes from a dying company yeah. that's scrambling to find new I'm, audience. I mean, they're These are been, proper motorbikes. There have always been kind of like economically the, the, the industry barometer of how motorcycles are doing. You well, know, here in America, in, in America, yeah. Well, I, I think worldwide too, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think you know? to a certain extent. I mean, you know, if truthfully, if Harley go down the toilet, whether you ride one or not, we're all in trouble. Yeah. yeah because exactly. it is that barometer. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Harley too, I think, I think, the Pan Americans are a good crossover because you have so many people in the Midwest that just want to cruise, and that's why you end up getting these big baggers, right? But like our touring bikes are Africa Twins, they're our adventure bikes, right? Because they're comfortable. So I could see if you're just border island riding Harleys all the time, you live in Iowa or somewhere, or all your friends have Harleys, you know, the baggers, why not get this? Because you can still tour on it, but you look different, it looks cooler. It's a cool-looking bike. So, so if you roll into a hog meeting, will you feel accepted, do you think, on that? Well, it's funny that you say that because it's really been a 50-50 split on who's been coming and looking mm-hmm. at the bike. Mm. Um, but what's hilarious is along the lines of, you know, a lot of our core customers getting older and older, uh, they've been kind of peeling back to, say, like a Heritage or a Road King or something like that that's a little bit lighter. Lighter. Um, <laughs> but... What's really cool is now we've actually seen a handful of people when we were up at Alice's that were like, this might be my next touring bike. And we're like, absolutely. I think I heard Emma say that today. I'd, I I would easily ride one. Yeah. So, I'm not quite ready to give up the sport tourer yet. Uh, I'll tell but you. my back may have other ideas. I'll tell you why I liked hearing the news about the live wire splitting off. I remember back when the Buells were brought into the dealerships and everyone had to have them. And there were a lot of dealerships that didn't like them, but stick them in the back corner and be re- resent that they're being forced to have them. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about the like the little Buell Lightning or something, right? right. It totally didn't go with them. And then I saw it happen again when the Street 500 and 750 came out. Mm-hmm. There were so many yep. dealerships that resented it and they stuck them in the back. And even if you went in there and asked about it, they'd try and talk you into something else. There was resentment. 
Um, and I can definitely see a lot of dealerships having the resentment. I'm just going to throw out, say like in Kansas or something where the electric uh, infrastructure maybe isn't there, you know, and they may resent having this, whereas now you can let it grow in the places uh, where it, it wants to grow and possibly have their own dealerships. Yeah, definitely. Possibly. I didn't say there's a lot of there's a lot of new news that's that's floating out there about how what's happening and everything like that. I, I think the biggest news here, even though you're not saying anything, if you're going to have a standalone, that means there's going to be more models, which means I think we can see that platform being used in many different types of models, which is kind of cool. Hey, Harley, if you want to make a scooter to come talk to me. Or a dirt bike. <laughs> That's right. 2021, we're going after GS. 2023, coming after you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Um, there's interesting interesting moves being made. Um, I have more Harley news, and I bet you most of you don't know this. So um, Harley Davidson has um, really been having an upswing, not just because of the Pan America or the Live Wire or any of the other stuff, but did any of you happen to follow the um, the Meekum auction last week? No, what got sold? That are was banging. Are you talking about the Captain America bike? No. Guys, what, don't talk what, about my purchases. Yeah, what, <laughs> what big money bought In the Meekum auction, something? there was, of the top 10 sellers, mm. Of the top 10, number one, 1907 Harley Davidson strap tank went for $297,000. Mm. Holy shit. Wow. 297? Mm-hmm. And you know, a strap a tank is a bikes. leather strap right. on that yeah. square tank. Uh, yeah. Number two, 1943 Harley Davidson E for 220000 Number three, 1946 Harley Davidson FL for 220000 wow. Number four, mm. 1947 Harley Davidson FL for 192,000. Mm. Holy shit, I'm looking at this. Wow. Number 5, Vincent Black Shadow for 165,000. Okay. Damn. Number 6, anyone want to take a guess? Bet it's another Harley. Har- 1936 Harley Davidson EL for 159,000. Wow. Number 7, any guesses? Uh, Harley? <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. 1938, Harley-Davidson EL for 154000 It's all those flying Cossack bikes. Number eight, not a Harley. <laughs> yeah. Any guesses? Crocker. Indian. Okay. Oh. It's one of three, yeah. Always. 1903, Indian went for one hundred forty-three. All right, number nine. Wow. 1944, Harley-Davidson FL, 143000 wow. wow. And number yeah. 10. A 1942 Harley Davidson EL for 137,000. Plenty of money out there. Damn, dude. Good lord. Damn. The old Harleys are really moving up now too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Emma, you better be getting that AMF while you can. Yeah. <laughs> that no, and the the AMFs are getting expensive now. Wait, you got a line on an AMF Harley or something? No, just I've got a line on a few of them. But oh, AMF shit. shovels are getting big money now. Mm. Because be nostalgia is always big business. True. And as we get older, we look back to a period of time mm. that we're nostalgic about. I mean, I'm a classic. I'm never happier than when I'm sitting on a seventies superbike. For sure. You put me on a CBX or a GS1000, I'm in hog heaven. Yeah, for sure. Um, because that's my period of time. Um, to somebody like yourself, it might be sort of an 80s 
or even an early 90s sport bike. So we all look back. The early bikes are quite different. You know, I've been toying around with some very, very early bikes in the workshop, some 1920s and 1930s. Mm. And it's... Doing resto jobs on them? Or yeah. Okay. And riding something that's 100 years old, it's it's kind of a wild experience. It, it's a very, very different vibe. It is, uh, what percentage of Death Trap to classic vibes is it? Uh, <laughs> it's probably 98% Death Trap, 2% classic vibe. Um, Sounds about right. <laughs> but it's, just, it's such a bizarre experience yeah. of being on this contraption. Yeah. And motivating yourself down it's, the road. It's crazy because you're like writing that era technology, essentially. Right. Like, but when, when just the material science wasn't there. Or the engineering <laughs> wasn't there, you know? like Right. It's You're basically writing an experiment. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and you are the guinea pig. Yeah. That's that awesome. That sounds like uh, Jim's mini bike. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the boxes are checked on that one. Although I've not lit myself on fire on it yet. Yeah, Caitlin, <laughs> um, Caitlin how did you get on with Jim's mini bike? I mean, it's it's a meaty oh, sounding oh, yeah. thing. It was fun. I just oh. held on for dear life. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's what they all say. <laughs> I got a picture. The I thing is, one. everyone who rode that was grinning like an idiot. Oh, wait, you, uh, you got a new mini bike, son? That's what <laughs> no, you like? You like that? That's exactly That's his steampunk. HRC. Yeah, yeah. That's Honda like Racing, son. But that was a camel bike, right? Race tech. <laughs> yeah. thing is awesome, bro. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all the other thing about the Meekum auction, um, you know, you guys have noticed in the last few weeks, things have turned around. Remember, it was not too long ago. Right. Things were still bleak. There was all the politics. It was right. the COVID. Right now. I mean. And can't you believe that was only like. 12 months ago <laughs> no three weeks ago three weeks ago right. yeah. three weeks ago yeah. we were still there right in the doom and gloom yeah uh not sure what's going on with the economy i mean there's so much going on time is meaningless the Meekum auction 95 percent sell-through rate wow holy but shit pandemic's good for rich people i have usually said does. this before and I'll, I'll say it again and is always shown in things like the Meekum auction. There's always this reverence for the domestic product. If you go, it doesn't surprise me that so many Harleys were in the top 10. Yeah. If you were to go to Goodings or something in England, top 10 would be British bikes. Hmm. Um, Meekum is exclusively American? Is that what it is? No, Meekum's no. worldwide, worldwide. But okay. I mean, it's the. Is it always in Vegas? They do it in Vegas, right? Oh, I think it's, it's, it's oh, the traveling. It's the traveling show. Uh, you know, snake oil. Um, but any of the British auction houses are out there as well. I know uh, Meekum employs a lot of Brits. Um, but if you were to go to England, you know, it'd be the Black Shadows and the Square Fours and the stuff like that that's fetching big money. And the Gold Stars were always a big money mm. bike. Rightly um, so. Um, but it's it's domestic. It's reverence for the domestic mm -hmm. product. And, you know, I preach that. Yeah. Well, you see a lot of muscle cars there, too. Yes. Right? Oh, All yes. That kind of stuff. Oh, yes. And, you know, it's I've never understood. Y if you want to buy a muscle car, you need a hundred grand. And yet you can get this like, glorious early 1950s Cadillac. For a fraction of that amount, that's the mm -hmm. size of a whale. I think I'd enjoy the Cadillac a lot more. But <laughs> the emails being passed around, this crinkling of paper. 
<laughs> oh, Liza made it funny. She, look what she did. Oh, God. Oh, my. She's drawing dogs childish. again. How childish. That's a good surprise. You never do that. Well, yes, you know, a, here. We're talking, about, we're talking about the mood changing in the last three weeks. Yeah. If Liza is sketching rude pictures, the mood is changing among Life the Life is back to normal. Life is back to normal. <laughs> because normally it's me and Jim that are exchanging rude pictures pictures between one another yeah oh i have some more news okay going back all right this has been dragging on so remember we came up with our top 10 list yeah oh god yeah, yeah, and then cleveland yeah, moto it's a to, subjective oh, list cleveland moto had to come up with their list and knock ours down. well they don't know anything and then no komodo they cr- cr- critiqued both of our lists and then we came back and came up with a refined list and then larry at creative writing came up with his refined list of all of our lists it just keeps going um so yeah you can check that out but human centipede of bad lists (laughs) (laughs) is there any one bike is there any one bike we all agree upon it just keeps going however one of the topics that came out of that is uh emma you said you wanted to talk about the most misunderstood bike yes well, we got our friend MotoGP to Nokomoto. Yes. Sent in a response to that. And it ties in with everything we're talking about today. And what does he feel the world's and he says, most misunderstood? Preferably to be read by Emma, the most credible person in the world this week. Oh, so thank I you. Pass this down. Damn. To wow, you. that's pretty. <clears throat> this is from Peter Bolton. That's MotoGP. Do it in yes. a British accent. Yeah, we need an accent here. Yeah, do, do the British you, accent. Do you need it done in a British accent? Yes. Can you do it in a southern Cockney, accent? Cockney accent, if possible. <laughs> Oi! 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 Ryan, Harley Davidson life, why an alternative theory or a truth? No, I'm just, I'm going to read it normally. Okay. Pay attention, truth. everyone. And... Bear in mind, I'm just reading this email. The opinions expressed on this are not necessarily my own because um, I don't think this is this is going to be an interesting email. <laughs> Harley is not a blue-collar company. It is a luxury motorcycle company. The mistake is in the performance. Speed, handling, range, and value are not the features. Style is the feature. Mm. Harley makes bikes you feel a certain way. They have a style which cannot be copied. Electric motorcycles have an air of saving the world about them. The live wire was not intended to save the world, not even close. It is by far the coolest looking electric bike right now, hands down. Harley made sure to focus on things that seemingly don't make sense like haptic feedback, fancy display screens, and unnecessarily complicated starting procedure. It's all a way to make premium buyers feel satisfied to buy and ride a bike, which does all the things V-Twin Harleys do in an electric way. It's... Wait a minute. If the weight wasn't an issue, it would have been a cruiser. It's an early adopter toy, and it's fun. It's expensive and it's not practical. It's outrageous in many ways. It grabs attention. It's an excellent Harley. If you want an electric bike that could save the world right now, get an NIU scooter. Is that a new scooter? Otherwise, shut up and be happy such a weird thing exists. We all know it costs too much. Since when was that a problem for Harley? It's an elite electric. 
It's not working class. It isn't wasn't for you. It's misunderstood. It's the electric MV Augusta. It's on the fast end of the electric bikes. Maybe not the fastest, but it's the finest. It's a very, very fine thing. It's luxury. It's flash. The public has kind of cancelled this bike for not being blue collar. How did it ever pretend to be? It's a shame. How is the Energica getting a pass? We know the Energica and Zero go farther, but only at a boring speeds. How far do you think a Ferrari goes on a full tank? They are indeed a better value, but not by as much as you think if you give it the beans. And they don't grab the attention the Harley does. Not saying the Harley is better, saying so saying it's so widely misunderstood it may be the misunder- most misunderstood bike of all time if you still don't believe me think about this you know how that feeling of being impressed and being slightly put off when you see a ferrari go by the live wire was meant to do the motorcycle version of that it was not repeat not meant to save the world at an excellent value the fact that more practical versions existed before and shortly after is only more proof of its true mission. All the best from MotoGP. Paradoxically, the rightest and wrongest motorcycle commentator in the world. Well, I think that's a fairly fair assessment. You know, can't argue with that. I'm gonna, you know, because Pete from Nokomoto is um, a product of the British Empire, as I am. Mm -hmm. And so we have a slightly unique perspective. And in England, motorcycling always has been and always will be a blue-collar pursuit. Just because I talk posh, it doesn't mean I am. I'm very, very working-class blue-collar. And that's why I got my start riding motorcycles, because I was fucking broke. Mm-hmm. as a lot of other people do. In America, motorcycles have always had this air of luxury about them. It, I'm not saying it's a toy, but for a lot of people, it's a second vehicle or maybe even a third vehicle, and it doesn't serve a purpose like a motorcycle does. Ah, you say everybody in this room commutes on their bikes, and that is largely true. But I think in segment here. But I think in America the difference, and and England's gone this way as well. It is so cheap and plentiful to buy a car. You're still making a conscious decision to ride a bike. Now that's rightly or wrongly, but you're making a conscious decision. You can go out. If I had a thousand bucks in my pocket right now, I could go out and I could buy a Toyota Echo or, you know, a beat up old Nissan Cube or whatever. And it'd provide me with sterling service to get me to work and back just as cheaply as any motorcycle in terms of MPG for far less money. Because there are plentiful cheap cars. Back home in England, where the climate's bad, where cars rust out after two or three years, you've got the cost of owning a motorbike, which was relatively low, and the cost of owning a car, even a humble car, which was a lot higher. And so a lot of the very, very working class people rode motorbikes because that's all they could afford. And so this whole culture, this cafe racer culture, was born out from working class roots. 
Yeah, I mean the whole two wheel aspect of it is worldwide. Uh, you know, right. I mean, working class vehicle, it, it, cheap transport. Exactly, and it's and I want to be absolutely yeah. clear. This is not a criticism of America. We're very, very lucky here to be able to have the choice to have this giant array of vehicles, affordable vehicles, and affordable gas that's at our yeah. disposal. Yeah. That as a seventeen-year-old, if you want to go out and buy yourself a cheap Jag. You can do that and, you know, drive it around and afford to put the gas in it. It's it's a viable thing. And work at McDonald's if you want to. When I was 17, my grandparents were getting rid of their car and I was like, oh, can I can I have it? <clears throat> my parents would not let me have it. It was like a 1978 Cadillac that got five miles per gallon. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like... Oh, that was probably a good call on their part. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But, you know, you think of all your friends you could have gone cruising That's with. True. Uh, my dad took it camping because you could fit so much stuff in it. Right. But yep. if, I mean, to really cement my case, if you look at any high school parking lot right now, it's a lot of very, very nice machinery in there. Mm -hmm. And you go back 40 years. Let's go back to 1980-81 and have a look at a high school parking lot. VW Bugs. There's a lot of Bugs <laughs> uh, in there. Hondas. There's a lot of Cadillacs, Grandma's Cadillac, Lincoln's. Hondas. Still nice cars. A lot of nice cars. Yeah. And then there's a cool kid who's got Honda Interceptor. Mm -hmm. In my school, all the cool kids had little um, MG convertibles. There you go. Mm, yep. The gymnastics yep. team, they all had them. <laughs> they were so cool with their muscles. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you trying to say? So, you know, yeah, it's... it's. And know, Triumph were the same way. Yeah. Triumph have spent their whole life trying to sell bikes to young executives. But the truth is, if you go to any of the toughest pubs, biker pubs, in Birmingham, where I grew up, or London, or Manchester, or Newcastle. And these are the toughest biker pubs. Well, you better know who you, who you are when you're walking in. There's a load of Triumphs outside. Because mm -hmm. that's who rode the Triumphs. You know? The tattooed of the tattooed, you know, the... Real the, biker just, crash. Right, exactly. But <laughs> Triumph spent their whole lives marketing these bikes to young executives. Yeah. You look at the ads for Triumph Bonnevilles in the 70s, it's all the shoot, suit and tie guy, you know, stepping out of stepping out of the Bentley and onto his Triumph Bonneville. Well, and I want to keep on this vein of most misunderstood. And Bagel, you have an email there to share with us. Yes, I do. <clears throat> this is an email from our friend uh, Dan Hostia. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. Oh, hey, What's Dan? up? <clears throat> And uh, Dan says, uh, this is about the most misunderstood bikes. And Dan says, any scooter, but more specifically, more specifically, any vintage Vespa. Uh, Americans are never sure what to make of them. Here are the questions you will inevitably be asked if you're riding a vintage scooter. Mm. What is that thing? <laughs> what kind of moped is that? What year is that thing? And always expecting an answer of 1960-something. Uh, how fast that thing go? You allowed to take that on the highway? <laughs> Sounds like AMA Vintage Days questions. <laughs> yeah. How much one of them things cost? That get good gas mileage? 
<laughs> Ain't those things death traps? Yes. <laughs> and and then proceeds to tell you a story about their uncle, grandpa, old neighbor that had an accident on Cushman. <laughs> um, how far can you ride on that thing? And of course, why you ain't got a real bike? Oh, that hurts. And uh, Damn, also, can you put a passenger on there? And ain't those they ain't those things for ladies and kids? Yeah, yeah, for oh. ladies. What if I am a lady and a child? The, the list goes on and on. <laughs> and Dan says, I'd argue that they are misunderstood by both the general population and most motorcyclists. Fair so enough. thank you, Dan, for uh, for that submission. I I I totally agree. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to keep on this theme because we had another great email come in and Matt sent us his list mm. of top 10 misunderstood bikes. So this is an opportunity for us to tear Ooh. down someone else's list. Well, I'm not sure. Is this Matt had a Matt? Well, you might agree. <laughs> no, this is not. This is Matt Rogers. So his list of top 10 misunderstood bikes. Number one, the Yamaha SRX6. Are you guys familiar with this? Yes, yes I am. a single it's cylinder kicker, plate. right? Yeah. Com- yeah, it's plate. a good one. It's- Pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he had one here, didn't you? He said, well, we've never s- had one here. Oh. He said at first he was thinking of the SR500, mm. um, also the 70s cult poo. classic, which became a natural for cafe racer types. Um, and then Yamaha renewed them with the SR400 a few years ago that were kickstart for the beginner market. That was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the SRX, 600cc single perimeter frame factory cafe racer. Um, he says, I don't think I've ever seen one in the flesh. If I did, I'd probably try and buy it. Um, There's one for sale right now in uh, they are the Bay Area. cool looking. Yeah, it's a cool looking bike. But I mean, how much fun can you have with 25 horsepower? They kind of remind me of the Muse. Yeah. Is that Scorpion Muse, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's cool looking, though. <clears throat> I mean, sure. you know, it's, I mean, they're okay. Oh, the MZ Scorpion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Scorpion. Scorpion. Um, so, so, moving on. Yeah. Uh, his second one, I 100% agree. Misunderstood bike. Misunderstood bike. Yes. Uh, the Honda TLR 200 Reflex. Oh, that is. Yeah, you know this one. You know this one. It was a street legal trials bike. Oh, okay. They wow. made them in 86 and 87. Because oh, what were that. they thinking? Hmm. Um, it was. It's a cool bike. You see them at like AMA Vintage Days. But what are you? It looks like do? a ripper. Like what are you going to do this. with a street legal trials bike? I mean, you could ride over your neighbor's know, right? Ford Escort. Start, start <laughs> jumping mailboxes. Cool. Yeah. That's the idea. Big old twenty-one inch front wheel. Yeah, I think they were trying to make uh, trials riding, but you know, bringing it to the mainstream. Soichiro Honda's mantra was always, "I will make a bike for everyone." Yeah. Yeah. Every well. single person I will make a bike for. When you understand that that was his mantra, that was his business model, you understand things like the TLR, you understand things like the gyro, you understand things like the elite, which was, yeah. frankly, quite an odd little thing. And in this case, they made a bike for a mountain goat. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So um, I would agree. The yeah, reflex okay. is kind of a cool, weird bike. Yeah, it's cool. Moving on. <clears throat> yeah. The 1979 KLX 250. So he says, way before the modern KLX series, uh, back in the dark ages when four-stroke dirt bikes were heavy and un- under sus- 
suspended, Kawasaki had the brilliant idea to put an underpowered four-stroke single out of the KL250 in a chassis from their KX motocrossers. Mm. The result was a light, agile, well-suspended, but pitifully slow dirt bike. They only sold it for one year, and he has owned two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, 79, yeah, it's an underpowered four-stroke. You could still, people were riding two-strokes in, right? Yeah, exactly. And most of us were doing a lot of coke back then. So So much cocaine. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to agree with this next one. Okay. Most misunderstood bikes, because I've had a soft spot for the Yamaha Phaser and Radian. Oh, God. Oh, if you guys don't remember these. I remember those, yeah. Uh, it Baby was a, Max. A, fav, a 550, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And they were similar styling, kind of the big brother, little brother kind of thing. Um, kind of ugly, but performed well, it, really well. Well, it was it was the whole this sort of drag culture, this whole Eliminator, Mad Max kind of. Yeah. Mm, no, this was not like the Eliminator. That's not like, like the Gladius no. or whatever it was. No, no. No, the, no, no, no. no not the, the the Phaser in England was sold as kind of like the Baby V-Max. No. Uh, are you familiar with the Radian? Yes, the Radian, I know. Yeah, so... It's kind of an odd thing. I mean, is it a cruiser? Is it a... Wait, what your Phaser? Street Fighter. This is... These were 80, like an 85, I think. Mm. Yamaha, Radian... Um, and then the Yamaha Phaser, it's a street bike, but it had this oh, weird yeah. kind okay. of little gas tank kind of yeah. thing, you know. Yeah, it's kind of an odd thing. <clears throat> no, unique styling. Huh. Yeah, well, you know, Yamaha were doing some quite oddly styled bikes back then. Yeah, so I would agree with that, but it performed well. It didn't have issues, I'm aware of. It's like a Nighthawk or something. Right. All right, so Scoopy. I'd like to get the uh, people on the couch's opinion on this one. The Harley Davidson XR1000 and XR1200. Yeah, the 1200 was misunderstood. So this was Harley's attempt to capitalize on the racing success of their legendary XR750 Mm -hmm. flat track bikes. Um, But how they went about it was questionable at best. The XR1000 had an engine that looked the part with the rear barrel turned around 180 degrees and two big air filters sticking out in the breeze. But then they stuck it in an ordinary Sportster chassis so it looked to the average person just like another Sportster. With the 1200, they styled it so it didn't look like anything else on the road which may or may not have been a good thing. It certainly didn't look like a flat tracker. I uh, um, always wanted an XR1200. Yeah, yeah, they're, the they're the ones that just I, continued a couple years ago, right? In, in I, I was going to say, I don't think the... I mean... That was a brilliant bike. The, XL, the XR1200. Did you ride one? No. <laughs> they looked cool. Yeah. I rode they're one cool. and rode like a brick. Oh. They had like no travel in the suspension. Oh. Yeah, every uh, time... I was going to say, the one that I rode had a lot of modifications to it. Yeah. And it rode... Okay. It rode Great. It looked really yeah. cool. And people who cool have bike. them. They had their own racing so They look dope. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Clay ripping that thing up. And Clay, yeah. Yeah. Um, they sold gangbusters in Europe. Did they really? Yes. It's yeah. like a European. Okay. Yeah, it's a very European thing. So this next one, I have not heard of. I need someone to look this up. Knock. Yes. Ducati, Indiana. Oh, oh God. That's oh a Ducati. My, no, uh, no. Apparently in, no. in the 80s, yeah. they made uh-huh. a. Cruiser? Oh, God, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. ah. We named the dog Indiana. That is Connery has, Sean Connery has doing the podcast. That is, <laughs> is god awful. It is gruesome. 
What's that look like, Nog? Did you uh, bring it up? So Let me see. Oh, those wheels. Uh, it's a spaghetti western. Oh. It is a spaghetti, spaghetti western. western. <laughs> 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 wow. It's like the. Yeah, it's like a shadow and uh, something else. Yeah, had, had like a virago. teardrop. Tank. Yeah, it's like a, a virago. Yeah. Like a virago. Oh my god! Ooh, that seat. Mm. Okay. Damn, I, it is a drunk Italian interpretation of a shadow. Okay. <laughs> if we're talking about Italian choppers, I will, I will take your Ducati Indiana and I will raise you a Fantic chopper. Mm. F-A-N-T-I-C. Now, we all know Fantic. They do rather good dirt bikes. So I will take that and I'll raise you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, like, what do they call the Japanese ones? That is Spaghetti horrible. Western version. Oh, my God. What the hell is that? What happened to it? It's, it's just fancy. Dude, you're going to pull chicks so hard right now. Oh, Andy, like Andy Stashenko went right that, I love it. All that is missing is the is wow. your Coke spoon. Oh. That is all that's missing. <laughs> I love it's it. It's all seat. There's a lot of seats and on attitude. Yeah, look how the seat's really impressive. Seat transitions into the you know gas what? tank. That's the, horrible. The Ducati 650 Indiana ain't so bad looking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ducati. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. Okay. Oh, Somebody I'll, loved I'll it somewhere. It. No, okay. and it was all... It's great. The Indiana was all action and reaction. We tend to forget that in the 80s, cruisers were big sellers. They were. Mm -hmm. If you take mm -hmm. any of the model ranges, the cruiser was the best-selling bike. It's hard to believe the Suzuki Madura. When was the last time you even saw a friggin' Madura? Yeah. That was bike of the year for like 88. You could walk into a Suzuki dealer and you could either buy a Jixer 1100 or a Madura. Oh, uh, Madura Ma all day long. And the Madura was the bike of the year. Oh, so <laughs> in that climate, you've got all these Italian manufacturers and they're all broke. Yeah. You know, all of them are broke. And we're like, we want a piece of that pie. So what can we do with this V-twin engine we've got? And some were more successful than others. And you can argue that the Ducati Indiana was more successful style-wise. It was not a good seller. <laughs> oh, you know oh, what? Man. That bike you were showing looks like that thing that Cameron bought at AMA Vintage yeah, Days. Yeah, uh -huh. well, the two-stroke fucking... It was a 50cc two-stroke cruiser. Yeah. That was a Yamaha made. Right. All right, so moving along, this next one is a cruiser, and I think I agree with this one as well. Um, are you familiar with the Kawasaki Eliminator? Oh, yeah. Which one? Mm -hmm. Well, they came in lots of flavors. Yes. So there's a 250 and a 1000. <clears throat> so here's the thing. Uh, they were perfectly good bikes that suffered from unfortunate timing. The original 900 Eliminator yes. was a drag style bike that might have been more successful had it not been released the same year as the Yamaha VMAX. Yes. Uh, All the cool kids okay. went out and bought the VMAX and the poor Eliminator slid into obscurity. But still a cool looking bike. And I, I know people who actually drag raced them. The 250 Eliminator, Eliminator was a perfectly good alternative to Honda's Rebel, but it unfortunately didn't look like a Harley, which had been left in the dryer too long, while the Rebel did. Right. And so... There's also a 125. 
Yeah, this is that's very popular in England mm-hmm. still. Yeah, this is a good example of a bike that comes out that's a perfectly good bike, but there's something else better that completely right. knocks Eliza. it out of the niche. And there's the eliminators of it coming back as an H2 eliminator. Ugh. What a supercharged muscle muscle. It, it's just oh. rumors, I guess. But oh. it's just popped up. That's on it my right feet. there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Huh. Um. Huh. You know the I like the eliminators. Like I mean the 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 V Maxi looking. The, yeah. The nine hundred was a brilliant style thing. The nine hundred basically became a thousand, and that was the six hundred. Remember Joanne, my friend, who used to come down here quite regularly. Oh, yeah. on her, the her yellow, yellow yeah. eliminator with factory purple flames. I think it was dope. Yep. So uh, his next one is the BMW R sixty five LS. As a misunderstood bike. And he says, honorable mention is the Suzuki Katana. Hans Muth, having designed arguably the most beautiful motorcycle of all time with the R100 RS, apparently decided that the motorcycles didn't look strange enough, so he designed the LS and the Katana, (laughs) and uh, they were bland. Um, These were popular with the magazines, but to me, they were just weird. Um. The number nine, the KTM Freeride 250R. The electric one? So, um, no, this no. one. Uh, so, about 15 years ago, the trials bike maker Scorpa offered a bike called the X-Ride, which was basically a trials bike in a more traditionally off-road looking and street legal mm. uh, motorcycle. After that, they were taken over by Sherco. They reintroduced the concept as the T-Ride. A few made it to the U- U.S., but I've yet to see one despite years of trying. This is an interesting concept, however, and KTM had the sales volume and engineering ability to make it happen. So the original Freeride 350 didn't make it to the U.S., but they eventually brought in the second generation, the Freeride 250R, which unfortunately wasn't street legal, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I think it's, I think it's um, too obscure to be misunderstood. Too obscure. Darling, yeah. And then the last one on his misunderstood bike, which I yes. think is a good one, the BMW G650 Cross Country. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait, is it the X Moto one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The dirt bike. I, 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 I like platform, cool yeah. Bike. The dirt bike. I saw those in Scotland. They look, they this was bitchy. a 650 single made by single? Oh, uh, Rotax. Yes. Okay. Um, and they were like two, 2007 and 2009. And this is one that. Yeah, they look boss. I yeah. think it did. The tank wasn't a tank. Yeah. Right? You, saw, yeah. you sit on the gas tank. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you can use um, the tank for storage. It's an I mean there's so many bikes that are going to misunderstood. I think uh Craig Vetter's mystery ship. Right. Um Bagel, yeah. you have you have arrived back from the lavatory yes. at the perfect time, <laughs> darling, at the perfect Indeed. time. Um Jet Dragster. Cool oh, or yes. full? Oh, cool. I think it is cool, but not sustainable do you think it, do you think it's misunderstood somewhere. darling yeah i think it is largely misunderstood um it's it's an amazing uh it's really sort of the pinnacle of two-stroke technology in terms of of scooters and styling um, uh styling is just out of this world it's, it's polarizing it's, it's bizarre i like it um and the the suspension just even aside from the styling, just the suspension design is polarizing. Yeah, pub steer. It has it has a very just weird 
kind of alternative setup uh, for the front suspension, which actually works really well from what I've heard. I've never ridden one. Um, but uh, the unfortunate part is that because it has so many moving parts in the suspension, the uh, the bushings tend to wear out, and that is a nightmare to replace those, from what I understand, at least. Wow. And uh, so, so in lo- unfortunately, a lot of the Italjet dragsters have not survived because of that. Oh, dear. Yeah. Do you- kind of like MP3s. <laughs> Okay. What do you guys think uh, most misunderstood bikes? I, 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 I think the Versys. Versys yeah. is pretty. Oh yeah, I'll go with that. We've yeah. always said that. Very yeah. capable, not very popular. Right. It's I don't, being sold don't though. It. I don't know if it's not popular. I think it's like the quiet achiever status, kind of uh, like you know what mm, I mean. You can pick them up for less than three grand. No, I know. I mean, it's still, still not. Still kind of rare. You don't see them. Not like the SV six fifties. How popular those yeah. were, right? Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> Emma, what do you think? What's a misunderstood bike? Oh, how about the R1200C? There you go. And that's a perfect example because it's easy to look at the R1200C and say, yes, it's an ugly cruiser. Yes, it's this. Yes, it's this. In my opinion, and I stress it is my opinion, it is the finest sidecar tug ever made (laughs) and ever likely to be made. I I think it's an extraordinary sidecar tug. Everything's oh, there. One. Right above your head, there's an there's R1200C right there. Right. Um, but as a standalone motorcycle? No, I stick with my, my two last week. I mean, the RF900, my beloved Rufus, is a very misunderstood bike. And the PC800, again, a hugely misunderstood bike. Hmm. Bagel, the show's getting long. Share your news. You nearly bought a motorcycle, didn't you? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh almost Wow, did. hold on a minute. Yeah, as whole. as I was just bored and, and no no. Oh, let me just let me set the scene. So I was just bored <laughs> and perusing around on Facebook Marketplace for for Vespas and other scooters to see what was out there. Uh, and for some reason, their algorithm popped up a PC eight hundred in my feed, mm. and uh, this was for sale here in the area. Uh, it actually had been on 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 there for like three weeks or something. Um, and was only listed for two grand. Mm. So I thought, hmm, let me go check this out. got it, bro. And so I I talked to the guy and and set up up a meeting on, uh, I think it was on Friday afternoon, uh, and I rode out to uh, go check it out, and he was willing to let me take it it for a test ride. And uh, and I did, took it for a little 10-minute loop, and uh, and it, it rode nicely. Um, it was, uh, 40 some thousand miles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit loud in, um, in how it ran, uh, just sort of, it had a lot of, a lot of throatiness to the, to it, which seemed out of place for a PC 800 because, um, when I rode Emma's before it was very, very quiet. I could hardly even hear it running. Um, so, but this one had lots of, uh, lots of grunt when I was riding it and it, that's, I was a little bit puzzled by that. Um, but otherwise, it seemed to ride fine, and uh, it was much heavier than what I'm used to. So it, it, I was a little bit cautious riding it. Just well, of course sure it is. You're used to scooters, darling. It's just exactly. a bloody motorbike, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but it, but it seemed to do fine. Um, when I got back, you know, I, I, my biggest reservation was, do I really want a bike this big? <laughs> and and so you so can fit three scooters in its spot. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't completely sold on it, but at the same time, I've had a soft spot for the PC 800 
you know, since the beginning, really, because they're just so different, and and they do have a lot of scooter-like styling to them and, and features. Is it white? Uh, yeah, it was white, white and champagne. <laughs> yeah. You know, the 1989, uh, you know, original edition, and uh, and the guy who owned it, uh, he only had it for a couple of years. Uh, he said he bought it for his son. Uh, for son to ride when he would go out riding on his bike, mm. but uh, for one reason or another, they just never really got got into doing that regularly. And uh, he ended up selling his own bike, so his son really wasn't riding this bike anymore. So he decided, well, it's time to sell it. And um, I was really tempted, I have to say, um, <laughs> to see yes. because it was too grand. You're you know? a bad influence, Emma. No, it, it was. But, Bagel actually reached out to me for technical advice, and we went over yes. a few things. And I think Bagel had a lucky escape. Yes, but because, we're talking and, about details, Bagel. The yes. revelation is that yes. you nearly bought a motorbike. I, I almost bought it, but I think I think like as we discussed, I think this is probably a good thing because after I came back from the test drive, I shut the, I shut the bike off. And you know, talk with the guy for a little bit. Told him I wanted to think about it, and I'd let him know either later that night or the next morning, you know, what I wanted to do. And he said, "Well, let me know soon because I got somebody else who's coming to look at it." And I said, "All right, well, I'll give it some thought." And when we when we left to go, um, you know, I started my bike up. You know, my salvaged Vespa that you know had been rear-ended started right up and was ready to go. And he went to start the PC800, and it just went. Buzz, buzz. Kind of like the Panamericans today. <laughs> and 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 the thing too is that he said he'd put a brand new battery in the bike. Oh no, reg wreck. Yeah. So oh, my God. thought, reg wreck or possibly Steater. even the state is yeah. yeah something's not Sounds charging familiar. properly. <laughs> but and, these, these are details, bagel. Yeah. You <laughs> nearly bought a motorbike. Now, I almost did. For wait. those of you who don't know what a revelation this is. Wait a minute. Doesn't he own a CT90? Doesn't matter. Wait. I, I, I own a CT70. CT70. Doesn't or, matter. Or passport. This is a proper oh, motorbike. Okay. And, you know, Bagel considering a proper motorbike is like somebody who has devoted themselves to a lifetime of celibacy, <laughs> looking at their next-door neighbor's wife and going, blimey <laughs> me. Hey, I no, gotta, I mean, you okay. nearly bought a motorbike, Bagel. Hey, so Bagel's Almost. coming out of the closet, is that what we're saying? Yeah. Look at him. Look how, Look happy, how happy he, he is. Out of the closet, oh. Bagel. I got a vaguely related question, dude. I was, I was bike curious. You are bike curious. <laughs> I got a vaguely related question. Did the governor yeah. sign in the uh, lane splitting bill in yet? I haven't heard okay. uh, if that was passed or signed yet. All right. Uh, I should check on that, though. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know that it came at least came out of committee or something. But yeah. It, it, I don't know where that went. It's not like California where it's super permissive. I think there's some restrictions to it, but I think people are still kind of on board with it. So Yeah, it's only while traffic is stopped. Right. Um, so basically it's filtering, but that's a vast improvement over just not being able to lane split at all. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wanted to just real quick, because I know we're getting near the end. I wanted to catch up because there's some people in this room who haven't been on the show for a while. So let's start with Jeremy. Jeremy, have you yes. bought any new bikes or had any crashes since we last spoke to you? Uh, no, I haven't had any crashes. I have not bought any new bikes because I have two 
project bikes? The uh, the Superhawks running. I okay. rebuilt the front end thanks nice. to Knock. Yeah, we got yeah. me some fork tubes. Yeah, um, yeah, man. I'm going to redo it because the suspension's insanely soft now. I don't mm-hmm. like it. Um, <laughs> uh, my XR, it was running fine, but I knew it was time after 20 years of existence for some maintenance. Pulled it apart. And I was right. The uh, all the swing arm and linkage bearings were either frozen or Ooh. ground down, like the races were grinding down, like yeah. bad, bad. So get that brown rust in there, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, nice. I'm on the. I, I'm, I almost have it rebuilt. Uh, wait on some parts and kind of throw it back together, and then do the electrical bit. Okay. So, so just projects. All right, Henry. Have you bought any bikes or had any crashes? Uh, no crashes for one. Wait, hold on. Yeah! Well done, Henry. <laughs> I've been committing daily, and I haven't had any crashes or oh shit moments, so that's good. I sold the Aprilia Futura that I had because, uh-huh. unfortunately, the motor was slowly dying because of an overheating issue mm. uh, with it. And I ended up buying a uh, supermoto, a Yamaha WR250X. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Nice. With wood grain side panels. It is it is the American Eagle wood grain edition. Very nice. That's a good bike though. I am not joking too. on that. It's fucking loud. And Knock, have you had any crashes or bought any bikes in the last year? No, I have not. <clears throat> Great. Have you done no. anything? Not really, <laughs> no, dude. Okay. <laughs> I done goddamn shit. I thought I was gonna do the cool like, you know, uh COVID project. Hey, I get to get my uh, garage in order and then I broke my collarbone and just like That's right. scrapes smegma out of my un- under my armpits. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> that was disgusting. Um, <laughs> and Jim, you haven't bought anything but you told me you announced, you, I think you know what your next bike is going to be. Um, oh, I've been thinking about it. We always go back and That's forth. That's what happens. It gets in your craw. Yeah, but but hats off. Emma helped me today get the uh, FC1 charging issue sorted out. Oh, good. Mm. We went back and forth between staters, um, mostly because I ordered the wrong year. I got it ordered in 2008 instead of 2012. Yeah, but that's okay. That happens. And now it's charging. Now it's charging wonderfully. And, and it's a you, ripper. You haven't been... You haven't smiled as much as I have seen you smiling this afternoon. Yes. You went out. Mm, he smiled a, a lot when he pulled his pants off. Yeah, well, it's hot in here. You went out for quite a spirited little ride on that thing, didn't you? Yeah, well, I hadn't been ridden in a while, like three months or so, um, mm. trying to sort this issue out, right? But, and uh, so we had to put it through its paces. So Yeah, 160 horsepower, weighs nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, nothing like heading up the coast and, you know, hitting – you know, cruising speed, you know, coming out of second and third gear on those straightaways. Yeah, um, buddy. Just, you know, yeah, it pulls. And then, um, so yeah, and then went up through Bonnie. Oh, I stopped and got a cookie and that wonderful pecan tart. Which you shared with Emma. Yes. Lucky me. It was good. But uh, but I want to know what is your next bike? Because I think you're, oh, you're focused. I am looking at it. Now, I, 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 I do gravitate towards the Hondas. Big mm-hmm. Honda fan. I think the the 450. The mm-hmm. yeah, the new 450L. Oh, oh I want to try. 450. That's like my yeah, hell yeah, bro. Hang <laughs> on there. Get some 17s on that, Jim. You, oh. need, you need to look at the maintenance schedule of that bike. You, you, okay. You, it's not like a super super cross dirt bike. Is this bike, the right? oil change every 500 recent, right? miles? Like it's 50,000. No, like no, no. Every 5,000 miles? You need to look at the maintenance schedule. So here, so then I'll, I'll pose this question. What about that versus the Husqvarna 350 dual sport bike? I think the Honda ultimately will be more reliable, but I think you need to learn how to service it yourself. Okay. And understand that you're going to be ringing that thing at 10,000 miles. 
I know it doesn't have a lot of low end torque. Yeah, to but, but which one would two stroke man go? That's cool, bro. <laughs> two stroke. Oh, oh two stroke would go with a husky. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Two oh, yeah. stroke, bro. Well, but no, I mean yeah. the the, the full five hundred. Because that is his hero. <laughs> his two, two stroke man with the sandwich in his pocket. The, I know, right? The four fifty is a great bike, but the first time I saw the maintenance schedule, I'm like, oh my god. It's you know it's got the maintenance schedule of a dirt bike, yeah, not, not a street bike because it is a dirt bike with turn signals on it. Well, and bringing it back around full circle to the Pan America, the thing that's great about that being a Harley is no owner will ever have to do the work because they always take it in for service. <laughs> Right? I don't know about <laughs> that. I don't know. You're, you're, See, you're this is classic Liza getting in the final day. No, no, no. Objection, Your they, Honor. They leading they the witness. They take it in for service. <laughs> this is, actually, this was something I wanted to point out. The Pan America, 150 horsepower, 94 foot-pounds of torque, hydraulic valves. Yeah, that's dope. That's, good. that's, that's way dope. more power than the Africa Twin, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah it's more. substantially I mean, you quicker look, bike. Like, you look at the KTM, like, 1290, which I think has, like, 160 or 70 horsepower. But, you know, you go get a valve adjustment, that's going to be, like, 1500 bucks right there. Right. right. And I was got, that's a very, very valid point, Henry, because if you take overall ownership experience, and that can encompass a lot of things, that can encompass looking back and admiring your bike, it can encompass how well your bike rides. But it can also encompass how long you spend in the designated crying area when they give you the bill at the dealership. And if you're paying me six hours to do the valves on your bike, which, as you say, with the oil, with the filter, with blah, 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 it's a $1,500 bill. And you're not going to get that on the Harley Mm -hmm. because it's got hydraulic lifters on it. Surely that's going to add to the ownership experience. In the long term, uh, yeah. yeah. It's horrible how, like, I wish it was more pervasive where you could get a 150 horsepower motor with no valve, you know, services. Yeah, we're not quite like, there I'm, yet. I'm surprised it's like it's not as common, you know, like. Well, Honda, yeah, Honda was doing it with an air cooled motor back in the 80s and it could rev to 10,000 RPM. Right. So I wanted to thank uh, Nick and Caitlin for. Bringing the Pan America here. Absolutely. And I kind of feel like we've opened a door to the world of Harley Davidson. Mm. Chromosexual. And that maybe we (laughs) could do this again. I like that. With something else. Um, Nick, both Nick and Caitlin, you've been... You've been wonderful guests on the podcast, but you've been wonderful guests here at the Recycle Garage. Would you come back and bring us a live wire? How would you feel about that? (laughs) I I think that's absolutely doable. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. I have a charger. Nice. No, I do. Yeah. We, build we have a oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, oh. because Liza's yeah. parents bought into the whole sort of... Uh, we have Teslas next Tesla door, so thing, we've so got, got chargers. There's nothing wrong with that. Perfect. But I would yeah. love or any product that you think is new, new, new that we would enjoy. Because, I, I mean, well, Harley are obviously doing a very aggressive outreach on these new products, and quite rightly so. Well, I mean, you said the Livewire... But I wanted to ask them, since we got two themes going here, Harley-Davidson and Most Misunderstood, what bike in the current catalog do you think is misunderstood that maybe you'd like to share with us? Mm, that's mm. a hard And that may be mm. the life way. I say current catalog, that's a little bit more difficult. Um, what, what? I, would say, I, would, I would say the live wire is probably the most misunderstood currently. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple bikes in the past that 
I feel that I really loved, but were very misunderstood. I, you know, I was always a huge fan, Nick, of the Superglide, and it broke my heart when they dropped it, because in a lot of ways, the Superglide was the least Harley of Harleys. To me, the Superglide was just a stripped down. It wasn't a cruiser. It was a standard. It had standard size motorcycle wheels. It just, it was a standard. And I just viscerally loved it. And I can't remember what they replaced it with. The Lowrider, I think, or something. But it was a lot yeah. blingier. Or the Fab Bob, maybe. Yeah, well, it was a lot blingier. Keep that in mind. happier with it. And I give you an open invitation to bring something down to us that maybe you think uh, is misunderstood to help, you know, get the word out. And, and I'm not going to say change our minds. My minds aren't set. I, I like bikes. I like the 48. I think, I mean, the only thing I don't like is a trike. <laughs> <laughs> understood yeah well yeah know. i mean the the trike fulfills a purpose and you you don't necessarily yeah. go into a dealership and say i'm gonna buy the trike yeah. you buy the trike if you're if you can't ride yeah. a two-wheel bike for yeah. whatever reason hey. so you know it's 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 fulfilling it's keeping people on the road who may not have that opportunity to understand trikes just go to south dakota Ooh, you'll <laughs> understand trikes they're cool would you be able to bring used bikes in? Maybe? Yeah, depending. Yeah. yeah. V-Rod. That was going to be one of my misunderstood there we bikes. Go. Yeah, that's a good V-Rod. One. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, we'll just start a little wish list. Hey, I, I was going to say, we'd be more than happy to bring anything that we might think, but also if you guys are yeah. feeling the itch that you want to maybe see something that you're curious I, about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough I've ridden a couple of V-Rods with that Porsche engine, well, and they, they move along pretty well. And I would even offer that maybe we could bring a lot of us up to the dealership on a Saturday. Absolutely. And drop in and sit on bikes and Are they gonna be hot dogs? Will we find hot dogs? Always and hot dogs. <laughs> Will we f- hot if dogs. we were to go up to Harley Davidson in, in San Jose on a Saturday, would we find you both there? You or would. would. Or would you be on the road? Not on a Saturday. On Not a Saturday we are chained to the store. That's we how we found here. Nick before. Yep. <laughs> Jim That's and right. I were looking at bikes and That's yo right. misfits. Another Gemini story. <laughs> you know, I think as a point of courtesy, we should go up to the dealership next. Yeah. I think so. Do a road trip up to the dealership. That sounds fun. Motortown's closed on Saturdays, so I'm in. Yeah. Well, and Bagel, that means you need to go into a Harley de- dealership now, too. Actually, Maybe. I think you should go <laughs> test ride a Pan America. I'd love to get your input. You know, that's not a bad idea. Since you were about to make a bad decision anyway. <laughs> Bagel nearly bought a motorbike. Wow. This close. I had cash in my pocket. I just remember wow. when, I, when he rode That's my SR500 and just like white knuckling that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't get it started again when I stalled it too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, again, sucks. I want to thank you guys for bringing that down. It was really that fun was to pleasure. be able to see it, and, it and play with it. Um, and just hanging out with you last weekend up at Alice's when we weren't able to ride either. I was, you know, we waited for hours. We did, yeah. And I, I, I still was having fun just mm-hmm. hanging out and talking to people. Speaking of which, what a great day today. You guys got to hang out in the garage. Yeah, it was. A meet lot all of sorts of cool people, people yeah. right? Was it busy? Oh, yeah. Well, when Mike shows up, you know, the show is on. <laughs> <laughs> the show. Happy the show birthday to Mary, Marie, by the way. Yeah, exactly. 40 doesn't oh. look a day over like 30. She's. There's, there's 20, 20, 20, 21 is the right answer. 21. 21. Sorry. <laughs> Shit, I was trying not to sound like I'm ingratiating. Idiot. Like <laughs> asshole, okay? Some about those Danes, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, thank you uh, to you guys, and thanks. We're going to ask them the question. Uh, 
Oh, the, you want to ask him the question? No, you can ask him. <laughs> Nick, what's your up the butt bike? <laughs> Caitlin has no idea what this means. Caitlin's like, okay. I'm out. Caitlin's like, I'm uh, out. But Nick it's does. I mean, so, don't knock it till you try it, right? <laughs> You're going to get asked this as well, Caitlin. And just as a primer for you, this is something we ask all our guests. Okay. And it goes back to the very early, slightly more raunchy days of the podcast. <laughs> slightly kind more of, raunchy. Um, <clears throat> it's which bike... Above all else, would you just bend over and take it up the butt for? Because it's that good. Now, Nick has yeah. to answer first. It's a bike you look at and go, oh, I'd take it up the butt for that. <laughs> Everybody has one. Mine is the Harley VR1000. Oh, I'd so take it for that. All right, Nick, what's your up the butt bike? Oh, this will be good. I'm going to sound like such a cheap date. Don't say, don't say DR650. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just because it's nostalgia for me. Yeah. Uh, if yes. I could get a pristine... 84 Yamaha 550 Seca. Mm, uh, fantastic. I, yeah. What a great wow. choice. Cool bikes. And you know, store. that dovetails into exactly what you were saying, Nick. This, I know that Seca would transport you back to a time that you're very nostalgic for. I, I think we can make this happen. <laughs> I just need to know. No, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Does Crisco work? No. All right. Disgusting. Um, can I take a stab at this, Caitlin? All right, Caitlin, what's your up oh, the goodness. butt bike? I mean, come on. You know, and I think actually, and, and with not my wealth of knowledge compared to past people in this room, but when I was mentioning the, the Suicide Club days, something yes. about that with like the like trying true the old school, whether you want to call them like, you know, the rough ends of San Francisco. Yeah, those guys got me. I mean, you know, as part of the, the look and the feel, but just kind of the... Are you so, talking like a chopper? Well, it would be the um, the hill climb bikes, and I oh. and I just like that look, mm. and I think it's it's that type of you know, and it does it for me. You know, the guy that supposedly would be riding that type of bike. Hey. <laughs> Which larper? Allegedly, so, yes. Allegedly, uh, allegedly. Oh my! But that would probably be it. Okay. Yep. Cool. Right there. All right. Mine's the Britain. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that is the most butt-worthy that, bike. That's exactly Mine's it. Steve McQueen. Was that, that's not a bike. So <laughs> yeah. You know what? That reminds but me. I'm going to post this question to the listeners. This is something that came up today. And this is how the podcast started. We're all sitting out there just talking, asking questions, and just having fun. And a, there was a great question that came up. I want the listeners to answer and email us. Your answer at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. The question is, if Steve McQueen was alive today, what bike would he be riding? Ooh, oh, that's man. a great question. Oh, FTR 12. I think a Hus Husky 701. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the oh. Enduro or the Supermoto? Enduro. Mm, okay, yeah. But okay. It, there's so many possibilities. I mean, Steve McQueen, the epitome of cool. And it's a Husky two-stroke. That's what he's riding. He's riding the same. Same <laughs> shit. Dude, why would he not? <laughs> yeah. You know how hard that pulled chicks, dude? He was he like. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell us what you think Steve McQueen would be riding today. And send that to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Right in your mom. And <laughs> I can't believe nobody Dude, said my that mom's yet. so old. I was going to say your face. Not your mom specifically, <laughs> no, but I'm saying. Your mom? She's the, old too. No, the royal you, not the, gen the general you, not the royal you. 
Yeah, you t- made it weird again. <laughs> that's okay. We're here. We're here. It's so not now. just your mom, everybody's mom. Oh. Correct. Oh, that's even worse. Correct. Oh, my my mom's up. old too. Next. Knock my mom's dead. Now I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Um, also, thanks to everyone who participated in the Santa Cruz Moto Film Festival. It still is one more week. You can get your ten dollar uh, pass, and there's lots of films to see. And I also posted some great interviews with some of the filmmakers that I did on our youtube channel uh for rev sisters so just go to revsisters.com and check out some of these cool films and interviews um i think that's it you guys what a great day huh yeah wonderful just another fun day thanks again you guys for coming thanks for having us and always thanks to our patreon subscribers who are the best people in the world because you know what we wouldn't have done we wouldn't have been able to do without them we wouldn't be looking at Bagel on that new TV over there and in this new very expensive that is camera. Dope. That camera works awesome. This is Patreon well money that yeah, let us set everything up. And I think it'll work. I think the whole goal was to be able to have guests on. Right. I still call in but and feel. Bagel, did you feel like you were in the room with us? I, I felt like I was there with you in the room, but didn't have to deal with any of the audio issues. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> you, well played. Win, win. Or the snow. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Hey, can we bring it outside and put it in the middle of mini bike races? Oh, oh that's a great idea. I'm not going to run into it, though. I mean... What? Well, okay, yeah, get out. You're fired. But I wanted to add, if you are one of our Patreon subscribers, really, you've saved Bagel. Because up till last week, um, Bagel was absolutely crushed. And I don't mind sharing this because we really didn't know how to include Bagel in the future podcast. It, it, yeah. We simply didn't have the technology to do it. I was and, working on it. And Liza pulled a rabbit out of her hat. Shazam. Shazam. And here Bagel Ow. is. She pulled because that out of Amazon. Because the podcast isn't the podcast without you, Bagel. Oh, oh, and you, you nearly bought a motorbike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this close. Maybe a little closer, Bagel. Mm, Did you have the money maybe. in your back pocket? I had the money with me right there to buy it. Oh, you were. I just, I just, I just couldn't do it. You are you an know, adulterer of the worst kind. So, uh, <laughs> Nick, you know where Bagel is right now? I don't. Oregon. Uh, oh, that that would explain the filtering law. Yeah. North <laughs> Oregon. So I. So, you got something you want to add? No, is that thing also an aromatherapy device? Oh, essential oil. Uh, yeah, it yeah, looks like one of those units. I'm not getting <laughs> any scented oil over here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all gym. Google's doing a retina scan on you right now. Just, just don't, just don't let the genie out of the bottle. That's right. all I have. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is where, yeah, I thank everyone for sticking with us, listening. I also thank you guys for coming. We're now going to do the outro. You're going to figure this out. Watch what happens. So thanks, everyone. Time to get out of here. This is Liza. Jeremy. Henry. This is your mom. <laughs> Nick. Give it the beans, darling. Stumpy John. Nick and Jim, son. And we are out of here. Bagel. Cool. 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 Hey. 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 Hey